0: Bless the lord amen wow so good to be with you guys amen why don't we just lift our hands right now to heaven and say father whatever you want to do just don't do it without me Wow, father we just thank you for this night lord we thank you for the seeds that have been sown Father, we thank you for everything that is unfolding. God, everything you're revealing, everything that you are doing in and through us this week. But Lord, we ask you, it's not going to stop you. Father, we haven't come to an event. Lord, we haven't come to a moment. Father, we've come to a movement of your spirit. And Lord, I thank you, God, the revival isn't a church full of people. It's a people full of God and father we thank you tonight lord that you have postured us and you positioned us for purpose and so lord i pray tonight as i speak eyes would open hearts would be ignited father that we would truly see into and beyond this current space father i thank you tonight that lord there's breakthrough in this house lord i thank you tonight that everyone within the sound of my voice lord is a recipient of your heart And your thoughts. Lord, I thank you that you have brought us to this place for such a time as this. And Lord, we ask you, God, that you would begin to reveal to us not what's gonna happen now, but Lord, what is gonna happen tomorrow and the day after and the day after. Lord, because we want to not just see a move of God, we want to be a move of God. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Come on, give Him praise in this place. Wow! Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow, it's, it is such an honor to be in the capital. Um, I tell you, every time I land into this, this city, I just keep getting this word, lights, Canberra action. And there's something that is going, not just to happen, but I sense in the spirit that the eyes of the world are not just here because of politics but because of presence, that the eyes of the world are not going to be brought to camera because of politics, because of presence, because God's doing something. Amen. And it's not about legislating the things of man, but it's legislating the things of God. And I am so excited that God is, is birthing, God is breathing, God is speaking things in these days. And friends, God is a way of involving us. He is a way of involving each and every one of us. And it's not a, an option. Because there never was an option. Amen? Because you're not an option and I'm not an option. I'm a purpose. Because the moment I said yes to Jesus, it wasn't just the one-off. It was the everyday. And every day I keep saying yes. And every day you keep saying yes. And we keep showing up. You see, God is looking for a people who will show up so that he can show off. For too long, we've wanted God to show up so we can show off. But he's looking for a people who don't just come on a Sunday, but are willing to be that people on a Monday. On a Tuesday, wherever you find yourself, you see God wants us to be a move of God. God wants us to be an encounter space. He wants us to be a people that are aren't just satisfied with meetings. He wants us to be the meeting place. Am I speaking to somebody? And I think for too long, I think what COVID taught us is we can't play church. We can't play church. And guys, I'm going to make a statement right now, and I don't want to offend anyone, but I'll tell you, I thank God for these last two years. Because I tell you, it, it done something in me that no other season could have done. It caused me to draw closer. It, draw, it caused me to turn my attention to not what man was doing, but what God was doing. And I know how many people remember that day. It's like, how many people remember that day? When Scott Morrison got on the TV and said, I'm closing the borders. I'll never forget it. I was in Perth. And my wife called me. And how many people know your wife is the second Holy Spirit? Amen? Because if you ain't listening to the first, you sure listen to the second. And I remember her calling and saying, "Han, get on the plane. They're closing the borders. I'm like, I'm going to Brisbane. And she's like, get on a plane. They're closing the borders. And I said, no, they can't be doing that. I said it's okay they can close the borders we're fine we're an island it's going it's, it's going to be fine she said not they're not closing the country borders they're closing the state borders and i remember getting on that plane after being shafted by virgin <laughs> it's okay i'm just having a therapy time with you <laughs> father forgive them for they know not what they do And I remember getting on that plane and landing into Melbourne. And I remember the Lord saying this to me. He said, Gary, I want to do something for you in this season that I couldn't have done in any other. And I responded to the Lord. I said, Father, what are you wanting to do in this season that you couldn't do in any other? Because that sounds great. But how many people know we need steak on the plate, not just pie in the sky? You see, God, God, we can't do rhetoric. We have to do relationship. And I remember just asking the Lord, God, what are you wanting to do? And this is what he said. He said, in this season, in this next season, it's going to be a season of fruit. It's not going to be a season of gifts. I'm like, oh God, we just, we just planted a school of prophets in Perth and you're telling me it's going to be a season of fruits? And we just, we just released a school about gifts? And this is what he said to me. He said, when you walk in your house your kids ain't going to need faith, but they're going to need kindness. When you walk in your house, your wife ain't going to need your prophetic gift. She's going to need your patience, and she's going to need patience as well. And I remember for that time, friends, that we realize that God wants us to be a people of the Spirit, that if we're people of the Spirit, we can't just be people of gifts. We have to be people of fruit. Because what we have to recognize, it's the fruits of the Spirit and it's the gifts of the Spirit. There's nothing to do with my message, but I want to encourage us today, amen, that we have to be a people who are wholesome in the things of God. And you see, when it comes to the, the fruits of the Spirit, we think the fruits of the Spirit are there so we can tolerate other Christians. It's okay, I've got patience for you, brother. I've got self-control when I want to take your head. No, this has got nothing to do with that. You see, we have to understand God has given us the Spirit without measure. Therefore, if He's given us the Spirit without measure, He's given us both fruits and gifts. Now, Pentecostals love to see the Holy Spirit as one manifestation. And the one manifestation they love is the fire. If you're a Charismaniac or a Pentecostal, the Holy Spirit is fire. It's nothing else. It's fire. That's all it is. But we have to realize the Holy Spirit didn't just manifest physically as fire. He also came as something else. And evangelicals in the house. What did he come as? He came as a dove. Well done. You must be Baptist. And so... (laughs) I was saved Baptist. I was raised atheist, but I was saved Baptist, amen? Maybe I'll share my story one day. But the dove, and this is what we have to realize about the etymology of a dove, is the dove has two wings. And if you look at a dove's wings, one wing has nine major bones in one wing, and in the other one is nine major bones in the other. How many gifts are there? How many fruits are there? You see, if we want the Holy Spirit to take flight in our life, we have to be a people who are fruited and gifted. Amen? Am I speaking to somebody? Otherwise, we become a flapping pigeon. And no one likes a flapping pigeon. Because when you have balance, you begin to take flight in the things of God. And I want to tell you something right now. When the gifts of God are manifest and the fruits of God have to manifest... The danger comes is when the gifts of God are manifesting without the fruits of the Spirit. You see, we can't have power and arrogance. We have to have demonstration and kindness. Am I speaking to somebody? And so the Lord's inviting us to be a people of the Spirit. And so if it's the gifts of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. And God wants us to grow in these places. God wants us to be a people who are growing in these places. And that's something that I love to do. I don't just want to see people empowered in the things of the Spirit, just in gifts. But we want to see people get fruity, amen? I'm not talking about fruits and nuts. I'm talking about fruit. You can have your fruit and nuts. That's the church down the road, amen? I have to make sure which, which way I'm pointing out because I'm going to get stoned. <laughs> it's, what I'm, it's okay. But am I speaking to somebody? You see, God wants us to be a people who know what it is to step into a place and bring patience. Not just to have patience, but to be patience. To step into a place and show kindness is to bring kindness into a situation. You see, I want to tell you right now, there's people within the sound of my voice, you're in some prickly situations right now. And friend, it's not going to take the power of God, it's going to take the purpose of God through you demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit in your midst. Because when I can show up as kindness, atmosphere change. changed. You see... I remember years ago asking this, asking the Lord, because how many people struggle with evangelism? Come on, let's be honest. I tell you, I was so condemned. I felt so condemned. Not convicted, I felt so condemned. Because we had guys, you know, around us at the time, and they were like, how many people got saved this week in your meeting? And I was thinking, what can I say back? How many people got out of wheelchairs? None either. And how many people feel condemned? It's like a shame bomb on you, isn't it? And I asked the Lord for a strategy for evangelism. I said, God, give me a strategy for evangelism. And you know what he said to me? He said this. He said, Gary, love and keep on loving until they ask why. Love and keep on loving until they ask why. Because you see, if Jesus is the answer, we can't be the question. And this is what's happened a lot of times is is the church has been the question. The church hasn't been the answer. And when the church comes as the question, what do they come with? Do you know Jesus? That's not an answer. That's a question. And Jesus hasn't invited us to be a question. He's invited us to have the answer. And so when you love and keep on loving, guess who's asking the question? Why do you love me like you do? I feel a song coming on. (laughs) Why do you love me like you do? That's a question. The answer is Jesus. And I'll tell you, since I received that download, since I got empowered in that place, I'll tell you, friends, it's, it's not about advertising numbers. It's about seeing the one in front of you. It's about seeing the one in front of you. It's about walking with the one. You see, it's amazing. We have a, um, a local barista, and I tell you, I love, I love blessing baristas, amen? Who's a barista in the house tonight? Come on, bless you. And I love blessing, but I tell you, I will not tell her what I do. And I keep going, and uh, I remember once, I went with a pastor friend of mine to, to, the, to the cafe, and we walked in, and all of a sudden, she turned to me, and she goes, Almond Flat White. And then all I'd say, and you drive a white Suzuki Swift. And she's like, what do you do? I'm not telling you. This has been four years in the making, and I still haven't told her what I do. Because how many people know that we're trying to be trawling in the kingdom when God has called us to be those that we love up onto the banks. Are we willing to walk with people, not just win them? Are we willing to walk with people, not just win them? Because the moment that we try to think we're winning them, they just become a number. You see... This is something the Lord told me, don't, don't make your church decimals, make them disciples. Let me say it again, don't make your church decimals, make them disciples. Because when I meet someone, I don't meet a decimal, I meet a disciple. Because they have a potential of winning someone else. And so the power of winning the one goes off. Guys, we can, you talk about compound interest. We need to start understanding compound interest in the church. Am I speaking to somebody? And so God is inviting us to be a people of empowerment so that we begin to be a people that go beyond just seeing God do something, but God is doing something with someone. I tell you, I'm, I'm gone from the days of just wanting to see something. I want to see someone. Amen? I want to see that someone touched. And so friends, I want to encourage you. To be empowered in the Holy Spirit is not a people that just feel good. It's a people that do good. And that doesn't make us do goodness. It makes us a people of substance and a people of faith. Am I speaking to somebody? Amen? Wow. A Sunday school teacher decided to have a young class memorize one of the most quoted passages in the Bible. Psalm 23. She gave the youngsters a month to learn the verse. Little Johnny was excited about the task, but he couldn't remember the psalm. After much practice, he could barely get past the first line. On the day that the kids were scheduled to recite Psalm 23 in front of the congregation, Johnny was nervous. When it was his turn, he stepped up to the microphone and proudly said, The Lord is my shepherd, and that's all I need to know. Do we know today who he is to us? Or are we trying to be a Christian? are we doing what he's calling us to do? Am I speaking to somebody? When a mother saw a thunderstorm forming in the mid-afternoon, she worried about her seven-year-old daughter who would be walking home from school. Deciding to meet her, the mother saw her daughter walking nonchalantly along, stopping to smile whenever the lightning flashed. Seeing her mother, the little girl ran to her, explaining happily, all the way home, God was taking my picture. You see, God wants us to be a people who are childlike in everything that He wants us to do. How many people today are ready to get in the word? Are we ready to get in the word? Awesome. I wish I could say this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Amen? Because it is, it's the word. So if you got your Bibles, let's make this meeting legal and turn with me to Luke 8. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8. Friends, I wanna I wanna unpack something tonight. Really I want to land something in our hearts tonight, because I believe this week many of us have come to a place of maybe seeing others get their breakthrough, maybe seeing others being blessed. But I want to tell you right now, God hasn't forgotten, and God has not seen. God is not a God who forgets, and He's not a God who turns a blind eye. And I want to declare and decree in this place tonight that everyone is seen, and everyone matters. And we can't live by the guise of comparison, and we can't live by the guise of complacency. There's two things that are going to short circuit a move of God in our life. One is comparison, and one is complacency. Comparison is that God's not doing what He's doing for the others, and complacency, God, I'm just going to sit back and you can do it for me. Friends, we have to be people who are hunger and thirst for righteousness. Am I speaking to somebody? Yeah. And so in Luke chapter 8, many of you will know this story. All of a sudden, Jarius has come to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you come to my house? My daughter is not well. How old was the daughter? I need Baptists in this house. How old was the daughter? She was 12. And so all of a sudden, the 12 year old daughter. And so let's turn to the Bible. We're going to make this legal and read. Amen? Verse 40. So it was when Jesus returned that multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a name, man named Jarius, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet, begged him to come to his house. For he had only his daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitude thronged. Now a woman having a flow of blood for what? 12 years. Who had spent all her livelihood on all the physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. And immediately the flow of blood stopped. And Jesus asked the obvious question, who touched me? And when all denied it, I tell you, the bunch of flipping liars. (laughs) Who touched me? Everyone denied it. And when they denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, Captain Obvious, the multitude strong and press you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me for I perceive power going out from me. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to, his pre- to him in his presence, all the people, the reason why she touched him and how she was healed immediately. Everyone say immediately. Yeah. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Use our anchor. While he was still speaking, someone came from behind the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he said, do not be afraid. Oh, I love what it says in the Passion Translation. Don't give in to your fear. Only believe, and she will be made well. Guys, we've got two things going on here. All of a sudden, we've got Jarius, who's just asked Jesus to come, to his house because his 12-year-old daughter is about to die. And then we have a woman who's had an issue of blood for 12 years. All of a sudden, we have a parallel of Scripture that we don't just have a 12-year-old girl, we have a woman with a 12-year-old issue. You see, what the writer is trying to show us is that God is not a person who likes to pick sides. He's not a preferer of people. And all of a sudden, whether it's a rich ruler or it's a skint begging woman, it doesn't matter. Jesus is going to be who Jesus is. And it doesn't matter what's happening. Jesus is going to be who Jesus is. And I love that we find this woman going against all Norm, all social standards, and reaches and presses through and grabs hold of something. Now, I want to ask this question tonight. Who is this woman? Can anyone tell me her name? We don't know who she is. We don't know who she is. But yet, what she did changed the course of history for a city. What she did changed the course of history for a city. And I feel tonight there's people in this room that you know God has invited people to be here, but you're desperate. That you're finding yourself in a place where you know that you've done everything you can to break through in a place that seems unbreakable. But one thing that I love about God is he's not a preferer of people. And you can shove every excuse to God, but he's still going to break through. You can put every wall up you want, but he's still going to get you. You can make every excuse under the sun because when God says something, it's done. Amen? Am I speaking to somebody? You see, we have a rich ruler who invited. And you see, this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus accepted the invitation. But there was a woman with desperation. And I want to say something and declare something in this house tonight. Whether by invitation or desperation, we need to lay hold of Jesus. Whether by invitation or desperation, we've got to lay hold of Jesus. Because God wants to do something, not just in our lives, God wants to do something in this city. And He's not going to do it just through a problem, He's going to do it through a people. But guess what? When problems come, God likes to use people. (laughs) Sometimes people are the problem. But he loves to use people. But who is this woman? Who is this woman with the issue of blood? No one knows her name. You might be sitting here tonight and, and you might be saying, Gary, no one knows me from Adam. No one knows what I'm going through. God does. No one knows what I've done. God does. I remember five years ago being probably the one most lowest points of my life. And I remember just, just not wanting to be around anything or anyone. And you know what happens in their moments when you think you've just missed it? All of a sudden, the enemy just starts throwing shame at you. Shame just starts coming. And I remember finding myself in a shame storm. Just not wanting to see, not wanting to speak, not wanting to say anything. And all of a sudden, I remember being what it was like a cave for me, just that place of just hiding away. And as I sat there, I just kept hearing the Lord, speak my name, Gary. Gary, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's found me. It's like, David, can't I go anywhere and you're not there? And I remember probably being at the lowest point. And I just had this vision of being in the cave. And it's like God lit a match. And as he lit the match in my shame cave, all over the cave, I just saw like Jesus had tagged his name. Jesus was here. Jesus was here. And this is what he said to me, Gary... At your point of greater shame, I write my name. At the point of your greater shame, I write my name. And guys, this woman was at the place of a greater shame. She was at a place of being culturally unacceptable. She shouldn't have been there, but yet she pushed through. And if you were to ask me right now, would you rather be Jarius or would you rather be this woman with the issue of blood. I want to tell you right now. I want to be the woman with the issue of blood. Because this woman did something. And many people ask the question, where's she from? What she do? What's her name? Friend, you won't find it in Scripture. But you'll find her testimony. If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Whew. I want to show you something. Matthew chapter 14, verse 34. This is what it says. When they, Jesus being them and the disciples, crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. Everyone say Gennesaret. And when the man, men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all the surrounding region and brought to him all who were sick and begged him that they may only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched his hem were healed. Friends, we're not talking about a formula. We're talking about faith. We're not talking about finding a formula. We're talking about finding faith. And I want to encourage you right now. This woman was willing to push past social norms. This woman who's willing to do something that was going to share shit, stare shame in the face. But she was willing to press through. My challenge tonight is are we willing to press through the crowd to lay hold of Jesus? Are we willing to press through the social norms, the comfort? Are we willing to press through what seems comfortable and lay hold of someone who's going to change our life? Because this woman did. And that testimony didn't just bring breakthrough in her life. But it did something for the city of Gethsemane. What does it look like if someone in this house tonight decided to push through shame and lay hold of Jesus so that this city could see the fullness of what God was wanting to do in it? God's looking for a people. He's not looking for a place. He's looking for a people. Because this building's going to stay here, but you're going to move. And you're going to become a walking, talking place of the things of God. But there's people in this house tonight that you've allowed shame to talk you down. You've allowed shame to lock you out. Well, I want to declare tonight shame off you. Shame off you. Because shame hasn't got a place in this house. Because there's no shame here. There's no blame here. You see, the other week, I said to my wife, I'm going to get this on a t-shirt. Shame is a drag queen. Shame is a drag queen. Do you know why? Because shame dresses up in ways that you can't identify it. Because shame will dress up as performance. Shame will dress up as anger. Shame will dress up as bitterness. Shame will dress up as overperformance. Shame will dress up as busyness. But shame will never reveal itself until the Father comes and goes, Hey, I want to deal with that. Yes. And when we can name shame, shame goes. Yeah. Because shame never likes being found out. And the biggest thing that happened for this woman in Luke 8 is everyone turned and she realized she couldn't hide because shame wants to hide. Now my question to you, if you look back in in Luke chapter 8, I'm going to ask this question. At what point did this woman get healed? Was it when she touched it? Was it when Jesus spoke it? What does it say? Let's read it together. What does it say? I love this. Are we getting something tonight? Who touched me? She said, daughter, be of good cheer. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. And she declared to him in the presence of all the people, the reason she touched him. And how she was made perfectly well. You see, te- shame will try and stop your testimony. Shame will try and shut you down. But the moment that this woman testified and said, guess what? I touched your garment and guess what happened? That testimony spread to the city of Gesennarat. And all of a sudden, all in that city who were, who were, who were sick got healed. Am I speaking to somebody? Nathan, I'd love you to come up on the keys. But I want to go one step further tonight. Because I feel like God wants to do business in this house. Because we find this woman with the issue of blood. But while Jesus was entertaining her, something was happening over here. There was invitation and there was desperation. But while desperation was going on, the invitation, something happened. And this is what happened. The daughter died. And the servants came and they made this statement. And I feel there's people in this house tonight, you've made this statement. And I'm going to read this in the, in the Passion. How many people love the Passion translation? This is what? Verse forty. Nine. And while Jesus was still speaking to the woman, someone came from Jairus's house and told him, there's no need to bother the master any further. Your daughter is dead. She's gone. And Jesus said, don't yield to fear. Have faith in me and she will live. How many people in this room tonight? Have you stopped bothering Jesus because you think your vision's dead? How many of us have stopped believing for the breakthrough? How many stopped us believing for the healing? How many of us have stopped believing for the salvation of our house because we think it's dead? How many of us tonight have stopped bothering the master because we think hope is dead? How many of us have stopped believing for healing because we think it's dead and we've stopped petitioning we've stopped asking we've stopped bothering the master but this is his response to you tonight don't give in to your fear believe in me and she will live And before I came here tonight, the Lord has spoke to me specifically, particularly about household salvation. There's someone, might be one more, but I'm going to speak to you tonight. That you've been leaving for your son for so long. That your son would just come back to Jesus. But you've stopped petitioning Jesus. You've stopped bothering the master because you think that hope is dead. I want to say to you tonight, don't give in to your fear. Believe in him and he will live. Am I speaking to somebody? There's someone in this house tonight that you don't believe your business could be anything more than it is. And you've stopped praying about it. And you used to meet with people and pray about your business. You used to meet with them and and have incredible times of faith. But then pressure came. And pressure has replaced passion. And you've stopped believing for your business. Because you think it's dead. And you've stopped bothering the master. I want to tell you tonight. Don't give in to your fear. Believe in Him and it shall live. Wow. There's a third group here tonight. And it's to do with your marriage. You stop praying about your marriage because you think it's dead. You stop praying about your relationship because you think it's dead. Don't give in to your fear. Believe in Him tonight and it shall live. Am I speaking to somebody? God wants to do business in this house tonight. And friends, you and my heart, I'm all for revival. I'm all for moves of God. But I'll tell you, marriage is a move of God. Successful businesses is a move of God. Children coming home to Jesus is a move of God. Loved ones getting saved is a move of God healthy relationships is a move of god because friend i'll tell you i had a dear father in the faith who said this to me say gary you can have every meeting in the world but if you ain't meeting your family you have no meeting and i want us in this house tonight to do business with god